Welcome to The Cruise Biz, a series of exclusive podcasts brought to you by Stuart Pearl and Philip Ordiva of The Cruise Strategy Company, dedicated to supporting UK travel agents sell more cruise. Today we're listening to the next in our series of In Conversation With podcasts, when our three renowned and award-winning travel writers help us understand more about cruise. Jane Archer, who writes for a number of national newspapers, including the Daily Telegraph and various national magazines and trade titles. Sarah Macefield writes for the Daily Mail and Mail on Sunday, the Daily Telegraph and the Times, plus various travel trade publications. And Janine Williamson, a.k.a. the River Cruise Queen, writes for a number of titles, including the Daily Telegraph, Cruise Critic and World of Cruising. Demand for river cruise holidays in the UK has rocketed over the past decade, and you can understand why. The ships are small and modern, you've always got a view when sailing, and there are so many rivers taking you to such wonderful and varied places. But how do first-timers choose? Any advice, Janine? For first-timers, I would definitely say the Rhine and Danube. They're the two most popular rivers for cruising, and the they sort of jostle for positions at one year, it's the Rhine that's slightly above the other, then the Danube. But you really can't go wrong with them. And for first time, I think they're an absolute must. Um, with the Danube, you're passing through beautiful countryside and capital cities, um, Vienna, Budapest, one of my favourite, favourite cities, Belgrade and Bratislava. And then on the Rhine, you've got absolutely wonderful rivers lined with fairy tale castles, vineyards, small wine producing villages. So I would say you absolutely can't go wrong with these two rivers. I mean, you can do different um, durations of cruising, but for first time, as I would say, take a seven day cruise, then it doesn't feel too rushed. You're seeing some beautiful sights. And then of course you can always go back if you want to see more. So they're my main recommendations, but I'm sure Sarah, you've been on other rivers that you'd like to talk about too. Yes, I mean, certainly a lot more rivers in Europe are coming to the fore now. I mean, some of the more unusual ones, I mean, you have the Douro in Portugal, um, which flows up from the coastal city of Porto up to the border with Spain, where the river then becomes unnavigable. So the river boats or the river vessels have to sail up from Porto up to the border. And that's from where people can do day trips to the beautiful Spanish city of Salamanca. And then the boats come back on themselves again. But you're cruising through the most tremendously beautiful countryside. I mean, this is the home of port wine. You have these beautiful, you have these hills, steep hills covered with vineyards. You have the local quinters where you can go to taste the port wines. Um, So it's quite a different experience, the Douro, because it is a more countryfied um, scenery going through rather than the cities that you get in Central Europe. Another interesting one is the Loire in France, where you're sailing through the Loire Valley um, on these particular boats um, from one of the cruise lines, Crossy Europe, because they have they paddle wheel on the back, which can cope with the shallower, um, the shallower level of that river. But you're going past all the beautiful chateaus and palaces. And then another one that comes to mind is the Po River. Um, in Italy and one of the main bonuses of that is that it gives you an ideal way to really explore Venice from the water so you're not competing with all the crowds um, in St Mark's Square and everything else in terms of getting around but you're going to some of the little islands like Murano where they're famous for the glass making um, and also as part of that cruise you also get to see some of the other beautiful Italian cities like Verona. Unfortunately I haven't done it I think you have haven't you Jane? Um, uh, no no I haven't in fact oh. I was due to 
I was due to have done it, and guess what went? Guess what got in the way of that? But but I think I mean you 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 jumped actually to to some quite lesser known rivers there. I mean the, you, instead of mentioning something like the, the Rhone in France, the Seine in France. I mean they they are great places as well. Um, you know the Seine you can get you get Paris as part of your cruise. I mean how fantastic is that? And and on the Rhone, uh, you start off in Lyon, which is fantastic for food, and go down to Avignon, which I have to say is is I just love Avignon, and the, it's beautiful, beautiful just going down there. Uh, and you have the sunshine, you have the French atmosphere, you have every you know it's it's a wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, but of course, rivers in Asia, we haven't even touched on those. There are so, so many to choose from. Uh, I mean, the Mekong in Vietnam and Cambodia, I guess, is the one that everybody goes for, really. Uh, but also you can do the Mekong in Laos, which is another great opportunity. Uh, in India, many people don't know that you can do river cruises in India, but obviously on the Ganges is fantastic. The Brahmaputra in Myanmar, you've got the Irrawaddy. Um, the, the choices are just enormous. Uh, I mean, I don't know if, if, if does does Asia appeal particularly to I don't know, Janine. Do, do you do many of those? I mean, I absolutely love Asia. Uh, you know, I, I've done the Upper and Lower Mekong, um, which both a, a little bit actually going back to the Danube have a very different feel. Um, one river, but two very very different sides to it. Um, I've, I've been in Laos. I've been in Myanmar. And I think probably a point to make here, Jane, is that the ships. Are very different from um, European river cruising. They're much smaller, um, they're much more intimate, they're often very colonial style vessels, you know, featuring local woods um, and handicrafts and decor, and you get a real, real taste of the destinations you're going to. I mean, I know you've been to India too, um, you know, you have all the fantastic foods, and so they're a really good experience and very different from Europe. As indeed, of course, are the, uh, the cruises in, um, in the US. I mean, on the Mississippi, we come back to having the paddle wheels on the back, which are, which are just fantastic. This uh, very, very traditional paddle wheel. Um, it, it is a wonderful experience going through uh, on the Mississippi, going through the US heartland, um, or doing the Columbia and Snake River up in the Pacific Northwest, where it's, it's amazing. You go from this rainy Oregon right up into the desert up in Washington. Uh, and it is a truly amazing experience that, that I don't think a lot of people realize actually exists, you know, where the pioneers were once upon a time. Uh, and of course, you know, those cruises tend to be about seven nights. How fantastic to add that into a longer itinerary for in, um, covering the rest of the, the states. You know, you can you can add uh, a tour around the states. Um, you could add a like a cruise and stay mm. holiday. There are so, so many options that you could have there. Make it two weeks, make it three weeks, whatever you choose. Um, Sarah, have you done it or not? I haven't, but I tell you one place we've forgotten to mention, and which I've never cruised in, but the Russian waterways, of course. Mm. Um, I mean, they often sort of get uh, lumped in with Europe in a way, because obviously they're just off, just sort of a little bit north of here. But, uh, you know, an ideal way, um, you know, a lot of the cruises connect St. Petersburg and Moscow. You have those amazing sort of selection of architecture, culture. Um, yeah, I think you can go further afield as well. And you're crossing all these different waterways between the two cities. I mean, I'm sure you two, it's on my bucket list, but I'm sure you two have cruised those rivers. Between. I, I certainly have. Janine, have you? Yes, I, I, I've been to Russia a couple of times. And I, I think the thing there with the river cruise, it's just such a fabulous way of seeing Russia. Um, if you don't speak any Russian, and I certainly don't, it's not a country that you can get around because I mean, none of the road signs or any signs really make any sense at all. 
um, but on a river cruise you're looked after from the minute you get there and as I say you're going between these fantastic cities and going into the heartland of Russia which I don't think many people would do at all so a really authentic experience. I, I would say to first timers on rivers the, the place to start is the destination. The destination to me is the really, really important bit. But of course, there is lots more to consider. Uh, the different styles of the ship, whether it's inclusive or not, which comes down to your budget, uh, how long the cruise is. I mean, many of them are seven nights, but they might be some which are 14 nights or so. Um, and and as I say, what what's included? Because sometimes you get the free excursions. Sometimes you have to pay for your excursions. Um, there, there is something for every budget, isn't there, Sarah? Yes. I also think, though, that um, it's very important with river cruise vessels to really look at the different ambience, particularly in Europe, where a lot of them are a similar size. They tend to hold between, I would say, about 150 to 200 people maximum. Um, uh, but, you know, all the different companies there, um, you know, obviously they're limited on the type of riverboats because they've got to go through locks, they've got to go under bridges, etc. So the main thing is the character. So you have some, for example, like Arosa, which will be quite Germanic, continental. Um, you have Scenic, which is more contemporary compared to Uniworld, which is very flamboyant, very extravagant with extravagant furnishings and big chandeliers and four poster beds um, and sumptuous sort of wall coverings and carpets and paintings. Um, and then you've got Viking, which is more Scandi chic um, with light woods, light airy sort of interiors. So it's very much deciding which is the sort of river vessel, river company for you, because I think that can make quite a difference as well. I mean, Janine, what's your take on it? I mean, there's some really good points there. And, and one thing I'd add is I think, especially for well, both passengers and agents that are selling river crews for the first time in Europe, it can be quite confusing because as you said, all the ships on the outside look the same. And the companies call them different things. You know, there are, they some call them long ships, a Viking, there are starships, there are spaceships, which might imply they are different, but they're all the same size. And I think what you've really got to look at is the passenger count. Um, the maximum number of passengers in the regular size ships is 190. Um, so anything smaller than that, the smaller the number of passengers, the more facilities you're going to have on board. So I think that's a good yardstick. And then there's one particular ship that stands out from the rest, Anna Waterway ship, Anna Magnum, which is double the size of all the others in width, um, but carries, I believe, 196 passengers, certainly fewer than 200. Now, that would be a great choice maybe for ocean cruisers that are looking to take their first river cruise and want a good amount of space. So that's something to consider, too. And of course, you also have to consider uh, things like the, the cabins. Because again, they're all different, aren't they? So for instance, uh, you can have one of the lower deck cabins, which does mean that although you, you do have a bit of a view, it is from a, from a window which is quite high up. Whereas if you choose um, sort of one of the upper deck um, cabins, you are probably going to have, or the chances are you might have a balcony. If not, you'll have um, at least, um, you know, sort of a, a, a French window style balcony, the, the, as they call the Juliet balconies. So you can have the fresh air coming in and you certainly do have a view all of the time. And you get, you get some, you know, um, lines like um, Avalon, which have the, um, the bed then facing the window so that you, you really can lie in bed and have the view. I mean, it, it's a wonderful experience. And that to me 
is very much what, what river cruising is all about, the destinations and, and seeing places and seeing places as you're cruising along, which is a, it's, it's a lovely experience, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the whole onboard experience is that much different to being on the bigger ships because there isn't the choice uh, of dining and there isn't the choice of entertainment. Uh, I, I mean, most of the modern ones nowadays have a second restaurant, um, but, but it's not quite the same, I guess. Yes, I mean, I would say that it's a little bit more, well, I'd say, first of all, on the dining, for example, in my experience, I think the dining is a step up, you know, the because the restaurants are smaller, they feel more like speciality venues. So I think as you walk in, I don't know, to me, it just feels a little bit more special than on some of the huge dining restaurants that you get on the ocean ships. And also because obviously you have windows on either side, it's easier to get a, um, you know, a seat, a table by the window to enjoy the views. If you're sailing along while you're having your dinner, it's, it's wonderful, especially in the evening when the sun's setting and, you know, you're being served your meals and you're just watching if you're going through some of the pretty little riverside towns i tend to find the standard of food i think is more exclusive you know you're getting sort of you know four course meals at least um and you do eat well on cruise you know on river cruise boats um, river cruise vessels because you know you can start off early with pastries and coffee in the morning then a full breakfast then there'll probably be elevenses then a big lunch um and then afternoon tea and then dinner so yes you can certainly dine very well I think so it, it, is actually, it, it is quite extraordinary isn't it because I don't know if you've ever actually been into the galley uh, on these ships but which are very very small and it's amazing how much they manage to produce from that um, I take my hat off to the crew and and the chefs because they do do a fantastic job um, but that, I mean that's that's kind of what it's all about obviously as we're as we're talking about the, the ships are that much smaller you don't have the space <laughs> as you do on the big ocean ships. And of course, then, as I say, that, that also translates into the entertainment. Mm. The, the area where, where you can have entertainment is that much smaller. Yes, and it, I feel it's more low-key, actually, because obviously you don't have your big theatres, your big extravagant stage shows. You will tend to have maybe an onboard DJ who, I don't know, or an onboard musician who play the piano um, and, and um, maybe a DJ in the evening that might sort of, play a few spin a few sounds as such and you may well get visiting um local performers as well hungarian dancers etc i mean yes i mean i'm sure you both have sort of lots of experiences to call on yeah i mean one of the most extraordinary ones i've ever seen they had a glass blower on board which is uh, who gave a very fiery demonstration but i would just say with the entertainment on river ships it's not as important as ocean ships because the river itineraries are so destination intense. You're doing different things every day. You're going on at least one or two excursions. Most people are really tired in the evening. It's really nice after dinner to either sit on deck with a drink, chat to fellow passengers in the bar. And I don't feel you miss entertainment as much. It's lovely to have the onboard pianist playing in the background. Um, but as I say, I just think with river cruises, the whole ambience is different, as we've said. And so people shouldn't be disappointed and think, oh, there's no entertainment, because there is. But it's not to the same extent. And I don't think they'll miss having big all-singing dancing shows at all. 
But I do think that if entertainment um, and if, is, is something that you, you want or you, you want something sort of to bring people together like that, you maybe need to look at the, uh, these themed and these wellness uh, river cruises. There are more and more of those coming along now. Uh, I mean, I did a while back, I did a, a music cruise on the Danube and it was absolutely spectacular. So the entertainment on that, uh, we had uh, a couple of maestros as they called them. The guy who was a composer, mm. she was a singer. She would explain um, various, I don't know, types of music to us. We were going to the opera one night. So she, before we went, she told us what was happening in the opera, what we would expect. They played the bits of music. When you hear this music, you know something bad is about to happen. Uh, and, and so it was really good. It set you up for doing something that maybe you've never done before. I certainly have never been to an opera before. Uh, and, and I was able to do it and it became, it became something that I could be part of instead of sitting there thinking, well, I haven't actually got a clue what's happening. And of course you can do the same kind of things with wine, brings people together with beer tasting, anything like that. Uh, and as I said, then you've got the new wellness and activity excursions. Just going back to the, the wellness ones, because you were talking about all the wonderful food on board. So people are probably thinking, oh my goodness, you know, you're going to put on so much weight. Um, so yes, there is the fantastic choice of food, but the wellness cruises are great and they've been an innovation really in the last few years. And also, again, alongside the regular menu, they often feature a lot of um, vegetarian and vegan cuisine now, which you didn't get before. So that's great, much lighter options. Um, and I think, Sarah, you've done one of the wellness cruises at a different time that I did. And it was just fantastic. It was the excursion was were optional, but I did a, a jogging tour around Vienna. I did kayaking and, and going back to your points, um, Jane, about the music. I did the most extraordinary thing where we could conduct our own orchestra in Vienna. And it was the most amazing experience. I mean, these musicians were so good. And they were given this tuition and they actually were listening to what we said. And I did one, it was called the, the, the jockey polka. It sort of got slower and slower and slower because I was forgetting with the baton and absolutely unforgettable. Um, and that was just such a great experience. And so there really is, again, with river cruises, it's not just a one size fits all. There are so many different themes to pick from. And also, I do think there are so many excursions to choose from anyway. I mean, you've touched on it there, Janine. And, that, you know, obviously the basics are sort of the walking tours because it is so easy to get out and explore where you're moored up. Um, but there is such a choice now of the different activities, the historical um, points of interest as well. I mean, on one of the cruises I did, each day they had a different choice of whether it's a sort of an active excursion, a discovery excursion or a classic. I mean, that's something that Avalon does um, and again when we come back to the value of river cruising um, it's one of these ones where you tend to get more included in the price so obviously pretty most of the dining is included I think there are a couple of exceptions where you might have to pay extra for a speciality um, but excursions can generally be included as well or some might be one excursion per stop or per day whereas others will include all of them so I think you know river cruising does come with more of a package oh and another point to to mention with regards to excursions is you have these quiet vox um, hearing sort of um, they they help you on the walk walking tours you have your little um headphones and really it's a sort of like a radio mic 
that the guide has. And it means that you don't have to follow faithfully in a crocodile line behind. You can wander off slightly. And because you've got your own little quiet Vox box that picks up the signal, you can hear everything. So I think that's something that really does help with river cruising excursions as well. So... Yeah, I agree. I think that, that that makes it easier. And you don't feel as if you're being sort of hoard, you know, hoarded around with loads and loads of other people. You can wander and have a look at things, spend a little bit more time in one area if you want to, just keeping an eye on where, where the rest of the crowd is going. So again, I would say river cruising, there is something for everything. Um, and, and it's really important agents understand all of these points so that they can, again, match the right person to the right cruise. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, look out for more insightful CruiseBiz chat on your podcast app or at cruisestrategy.co.uk. Thank you.